You know, Jesus uh, is recorded in John's Gospel, chapter 10, verse 11, saying this, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Um, We started a series uh, last week called Jesus on Jesus, which is, you know, Jesus' perspective on himself. People have a lot to say about who Jesus is. Of course, I'm going to spend about 30 minutes talking about that today. But we thought, you know, why not, why not do a series where we looked at what Jesus had to say about himself? How would he describe who he is? And so last Sunday, appropriately, uh, we looked at John 11 in one of the I am statements where Jesus said, I am the resurrection. And we learned that the resurrection isn't an event, it's a person. And I think that there's a reason why Jesus said it like that. He didn't say, I do resurrections, or I'm capable of doing resurrections, or I'm going to be resurrected. Instead instead of focusing what Jesus can do, or uh, what he might provide for us, Jesus calls attention to who he is. And he says, I am the resurrection. That is, any transforming power, any, any life change, any experience that takes something that was dead and brings it back to life, I am that. Jesus said that, not me. Um, and today, I want to look at another one of the statements that Jesus began with, I am. I am the good shepherd. Jesus described himself as a good shepherd, which is really relatable to uh, the people of his day. They're very familiar with what a shepherd does. And um, so the context of their understanding, they're totally connecting to what he said. Now, Jesus didn't say, I am a shepherd. He said, I'm the good shepherd, which which means there might be some not-so-good shepherds. And in this passage in John, he he shows us a few. There's uh, the sissy shepherd, In verse 12, he says, this shepherd, when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. That's a self-interested shepherd. And certainly in that time, you know, uh, people can probably thought of shepherds that had the job of protecting the sheep. And then soon as danger approaches, they showed their character. And they ran away from protecting the sheep that they were hired to protect. Then there's the sneaky shepherd, and that's in John 1, John 10, 1. He says, I tell you the truth, the man who who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. There's like a sneaky shepherd. He doesn't show up, you know, like, hey, I'm the shepherd. Instead, he kind of sneaks around and and comes in without people seeing. He he doesn't want to be seen. A shepherd that doesn't want to be seen, how could that be? It's because he really doesn't want to be a shepherd. He just wants some of what the good shepherd has. In fact, Jesus uh, tells us a little more about him in John 10.10. He says that he wants to take, not give, the sneaky shepherd. The thief, calls him a thief, uh, comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. That this kind of shepherd is just there Again, for their own self-interest. And of course, Jesus is talking about the evil one here. But Jesus juxtaposes his shepherding next to sneaky and sissy shepherds. And he says in John 10.10, The thief 
comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. You know, the gospel, when you hear that word, it means good news. And it is good news that Jesus is the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep because that's what he did. And he says here, not only do I lay down my life for the sheep, but I've come to bring life to those sheep in a full way. So some people operate from a perspective that Christianity is kind of like a religion of scarcity. It's like, you know, becoming a Christian means you lose everything fun. And uh, maybe you came from that tradition. Uh, or maybe you're, you, you don't go to church at all, and like, your perspective of Christianity is just all the things that, it's a list of don'ts. But Jesus is proposing here that the good shepherd has the best interest of the sheep at heart. And so whatever he's going to do for those sheep is going to bring about a life that is full and abundant. It's the way sheep were designed to live. So if Jesus is the good shepherd, what does that make us? It makes us sheep. You know, sheep are the most commonly mentioned animals in the Bible. Sheep are mentioned 196 times. Dogs, 41. Cats, zero. <laughs> except, except if you count the lion who seeks to destroy and devour Christians. So now we've made the connection between cats and Satan, right? And... Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, you know, it's kind of unfortunate that we're called sheep because it's not really a very flattering statement. You know, one time Jesus says that, you know, the sheep need to be careful because they can't even tell the difference between a sheep and a wolf dressed as a sheep. Which, even if the wolf's costume was good, don't you think that sheep would know by his raspy cigarette voice, hey there, lammy? You know, uh, I don't know, maybe I watched too many cartoons as a kid, but it should be pretty easy to tell a sheep apart from a wolf, but we can't. So here's some things you might want to know about sheep that the Bible says we are. Okay, first of all, sheep, and this is in your notes, are not smart. Sheep are not smart. You know, uh, Isaiah talks about sheep all go astray, and they turn to their own way, and certainly we get lost in our decisions and our choices just a little bit at a time, and we just keep on wandering, right? Have you ever seen a trained sheep? No. <laughs> do you go to a circus, and do they have sheep tricks? No, they have dog tricks and horses doing things and monkeys and fleas even, <laughs> but no sheep doing tricks. So as your pastor... I just want to look at you and say, you are so dumb. <laughs> and so am I, because I'm a sheep too. So sheep are dumb. You know, sheep are defenseless too. You know, every, every other animal almost, they, they have some way to defend themselves. It could be camouflage or fangs or they're swift or they're extra large or they have poison, but not sheep. They got nothing. The only thing sheep have is like being in a big crowd of them, which 
basically is, you know, better you than me philosophy, right? That's all sheep have, which might have some connection to what happens sometimes in the Christian community, right? Better you than me. Um, so they're defenseless. They're, they're not very smart, and they're stubborn. Sheep are stubborn. They get wedged in places, and then they just keep on going. They get lost, uh, and they keep on going. So that, you know, you kind of bring dumb and stubborn together, and that's like a toxic combination. And some of you, you know, you're thinking right now about nudging that person next to you because I just talked about being dumb and, dumb and stubborn, right? So why don't we just do that right now? Just look at your neighbor and look at the person next to you and say, you are so dumb and stubborn. Go ahead and say that right now. Okay, good. Because you are, if you're a sheep. And then lastly, you know, sheep are dirty and stinky. They're dirty and stinky. They're not clean, white, fluffy uh, creatures. In fact, I think sheep have a personal hygiene problem. Um, you know, they seem helpless to cleanse themselves. You know, dogs and cats will lick themselves, but a sheep has nothing. I mean, um, guys, they're kind of like your underwear in college. They're gray, normally. And, you know, I could never figure out why my underwear turned gray in college, and I come home and my mom could get them white. She had this thing called bleach which even after I found out about it, I couldn't afford it as a college student. So my clothes just got grayer and grayer during the semester. And, um, and they, they're stinky too, sheep. Have you ever been to a petting zoo? They stink, which I don't want you to make a connection to my college underwear <laughs> right now. But with all these problems that sheep have, dumb, stubborn, dirty and stinky. Um, they need a shepherd. Sheep need a good shepherd. And so it's really good news that sheep have a good shepherd. And as I said, this, this is such a relatable picture. And the imagery connects to Jesus' audience. I want to help us connect that today because you may not know a shepherd, but every person that Jesus would have spoken to knew a shepherd, and even though it was a lowly job, um, it was always spoken of in, in the, when they wanted to bring, bring forward a metaphor or a picture of a person or God to demonstrate qualities like compassion and sacrifice and care, it was always the go-to analogy. So you find in, in the Bible a lot of uh, imagery of God being a shepherd. Here, Jesus is the good shepherd. Uh, people admired a shepherd that was sacrificial. They put a lot of trust in them, their entire livelihood. And they appreciated leaders who were, had the same qualities as a shepherd would have. Um, in Psalm 78, Asaph says that David shepherded the nation of Israel with integrity of heart and skillful hands. So it's like this beautiful picture that comes forward. 
And so that's all encased in what Jesus is saying when he says, I am the good shepherd. So what does a good shepherd do for not so bright, dirty and stinky, stubborn and defenseless creatures? Well, there's a great passage of scripture that unpacks what a shepherd does. You might be familiar with it, and we're, we're going to drop into that, and I'm going to put the verses up, but it's kind of like the classic picture of what a shepherd does, Psalm 23. And Psalm 23 brings out at least four things that a good shepherd does for the sheep. And that's what we're going to cover today. First of all, the good shepherd guides. Can we say that together? Would you guys be on it? The good shepherd guides. Psalm 23, 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall, not, I shall not be in want. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. The shepherd guides. And you know, other passages in the Bible indicate that the sheep know the voice of that shepherd that is guiding them. In John 10, 3, when Jesus is talking about being the good shepherd, he says, he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. The good shepherd is out in front, and he's calling to the sheep, and the sheep know his specific voice. And when we think about God guiding us through the good shepherd and knowing his voice, I mean, I mean, on one hand, you could, like, is it an audible thing, like, you know, I go to the park now with my grandkids, and, you know, every park ha usually has that little thing you talk into, and they're over there, and they think it's magic. You know, I go, you just stand right here, and Grampy's going to talk to you, and they're just looking around, and, of course, when they get a little older, they can figure it out. Sometimes it feels like God talks to us like that, but God's voice comes through to us in his word, and through other people, and a lot of other ways. Uh, even in the Old Testament, God speaks through a donkey. So, God's voice can be heard. And we can recognize his voice if we know the shepherd. But if, if we're not familiar with the shepherd, then his voice might be more difficult for us to hear. Maybe it's hard for you to hear the voice of God because you really haven't spent very much time with him. You know, in September this year, Cindy and I will be married 40 years. Don't applaud because um, that's all for her. But you know, living with her all this time, I know her voice. You could put me in the youth room with a hundred other women, blindfold me, and just let women talk, and I would know her voice. In fact, I've talked here before that I know my wife's whistle. Uh, you know, my wife can whistle really good. You know, that, I can't do it. And one time I was surfing in Huntington Beach. There was a strong current, and I didn't pay attention to how far I drifted. So I didn't watch the, the uh, lifeguard stand numbers, and I got back out, and I started walking up the beach just kind of looking. I had no idea how far I had drifted, but I knew it was far. And I kept looking, and all of a sudden I heard, and I snapped up like that. And everybody else started laughing around. It's like, that guy answers his wife's whistle. <laughs> so I know her whistle and I know her voice because I know her. And you know, for God to guide us, we need to know his voice. 
and you're going to need God's guidance. Sometime in the future, or maybe even right now, you're considering a move or a job change or retirement, getting married, having kids, how to raise kids, how to get your kids out of the house, buy a car, join this church, leave that church. And we're saying, God, show me the way. Do we know his voice as he guides us? And, of course, if God is guiding us, what does that mean for us as the sheep? We, we need to follow his guidance. And You know, I think that um, I'm really grateful for the times in my life that I've listened to God and his voice. Become a fireman. Stop being a fireman. Become a pastor. Marry that girl. Talk to that person. Like they, God's voice comes through, and um, you will never regret listening to his voice. So, good shepherd guides. Secondly, the good shepherd provides. The good shepherd provides. Psalm 23, 1, again, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters, and he restores my soul. Just look at this verse, and at just the list of the ways God, or the good shepherd, provides. I'm not going to be wanting. I'm not going to lack for the things that I need. He's going to Allow me to lie down in green pastures. And this is, this is a beautiful picture because you rarely see a sheep lying down. They only lie down when they're well-fed and they feel safe. He leads me beside still waters because the shepherd needs to take the sheep to where the water is calm, not rushing, because the sheep knows that he could fall in. And he restores my soul which says that the good shepherd not only cares for the physical needs, but what goes on inside of us. But for many of us, when we think about the good shepherd providing, we we get a little scared, at least in in some of the areas that are more challenging to us, and they, they can be different for us. But, you know, God can provide... Um, in that relationship that's challenging right now. We rely on the Good Shepherd to help us forgive. We rely on the Good Shepherd to provide for us financially or in making a moral decision or in the use of our time. And we we get conflicted because we're afraid, well, if I do this, if I follow his guidance, then I won't be provided for something will be missing. And here, we see that the good shepherd does provide. That's why I think Jesus knew, in fact, I know that he knew, that we would be apprehensive about some of those things. And that's why in Matthew's Gospel 6.33, he said to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Put me in the center. Allow me to guide you and I will provide for you. And then again, the a verse that we looked at in John 10, 10, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. Like, f- 
allowing the good shepherd to guide us is not going to put us in a place where our needs cannot be met. We have to trust that the good shepherd will provide. You know, it's important for the sheep to allow the good shepherd to provide in the manner in which he does, which means to follow his guidance and stay connected to the flock because that's how sheep are designed to be provided for. If, if you've been looking for God's provision in your life far from him, far from his voice, or far from his church, the flock that you're supposed to be a part of, then it's going to be much more difficult for you to find the provision that God has for you because he has provided a way in which to do that. So if the good shepherd is going to provide for us, we have to follow his guidance and we have to put ourselves in a place where he can provide that. Number three, the good shepherd corrects. So he guides, he provides, and the good shepherd corrects. Can we say that one together? The good shepherd corrects. In Psalm 23, 4, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You know, the staff that a shepherd carried, it had a crook on it, and it had a, a sharper end, and it wasn't just to fight off predators, although it, it, it was able to do something else, which, was, which is to keep the sheep in line. The shepherd could poke the sheep. The shepherd would take that hook and yank them back in to where they needed to be. And so if you're a sheep, the idea of the good shepherd Correcting you, if you're a wandering sheep, it may not sound like good news, but actually it is. You know, they have, like, if you think about your children, um, children want boundaries. And um, kids that have been placed in a situation where just everything goes and whatever you want to do, like, that creates a lot of insecurity in a child. Maybe, Maybe you were raised that way. And Psychologists have shown that like, that creates a lot of anxiety. God has boundaries for us, and so he will correct us. Yeah, Luke 15 says that the good shepherd will go out into the wilderness and find that one wandering sheep, but he might burn that sheep's bottom a little bit while he does so, right? No one loves that part. No one loves being disciplined by God. But... Sometimes it's necessary and it's good for us. Uh, Hebrews 12, 11, writer of Hebrews says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Can we say amen to that? Yeah, nobody likes it. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. See, the good shepherd corrects us for our own protection and for our own benefit. And when, when we talk about being free in Christ, I think sometimes we think about that, it's like, well, it's just a free-for-all. I can just do whatever I want, and then God will always be there to bless me. And, you know, I think that if you're a Christian, you can pretty much count on, if you wander away, you're going to face discipline. And it, may, and it won't be pleasant. 
but it will be good for you. You see, a sheep can't just wander off and drink from a poison stream or go into the wilderness without being exposed to all the things that an isolated sheep would be exposed to. That's what happens. And when the good shepherd finally finds that sheep, he will, he will bring some kind of discipline. Maybe, maybe you're under that. Maybe you've made a bunch of bad choices or you, know, you found yourself so far from God and now things are all tangled up. You're right in the right place. I would bet some of you, just some of the things that God has brought into your life while you were far from him has been part of bringing you back into the flock where you're designed to be. You know, again, as parents, we have a great opportunity to be a good shepherd to our children. And one of the best things that we can do for our kids is to give them boundaries and correct them when they're outside those boundaries. That's really healthy for our kids. And in so doing, we're doing it for their benefit. And so they will, they will respond more quickly in the future to correction. And they'll be more likely to stay on the right path if that discipline and correction is you know, applied as a good shepherd would apply it. So you're not doing your kids a favor by just being their friend. You also have to be their shepherd. And, one, and, and by the way, one of the best things your kids could ever learn from you is to watch you respond to God's correction in your life. So you can't expect them to respond to your leadership if you don't respond to the good shepherd's leadership. So the good shepherd guides and provides and corrects. And lastly, the good shepherd protects. The good shepherd protects. Verse 4 of Psalm 23, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. In this passage, you see that the shepherd has his weapons to protect us. His rod and his staff bring both comfort and protection. And when, when Psalm 23 says that he protects us, it doesn't mean that he protects us from ever facing tough times. In fact, this, this passage says exactly the opposite, that we go through the valley of the shadow of death. It can be expected. And even though you might be in the toughest, most challenging, most painful valley right now, the good shepherd is protecting you as you go through it. One of the things that we see here is that the good shepherd doesn't bail on us when the, these things happen. In fact, there's much comfort in Psalm 23, when it says, I'm going through that, but you are with me. Sometimes just God's presence can be a strong protection for us. Certainly we want God to, 
to make our paths straight and we don't, we don't want to go through some of the things that life brings at us or that someone in our life that's important to us or that we're tied to brings to our lives. But that doesn't mean that the shepherd has abandoned us. He is with us. In this passage, it says, even though we're in the middle of the, of the valley of the shadow of death, I can still sit down and eat. I, I can sit at a meal and my cup will overflow. And there'll be his healing oil. That is, in, in this time, it's, it's, it's a medicine, a balm to heal wounds and for us to recover from. And through all of that, we have God's presence. You know, um, I remember a time in my life where I didn't want to go on vacation with my parents anymore. Maybe some of you are experiencing that, teenagers or parents, and like, I'm like, yeah, I know you're going to the Florida Keys to go spearfishing for three days, but, and I love that, but I don't want to go with you. I want to stay home. And I remember when my parents finally let me stay home by myself for the first time. Bad idea for my parents. But besides kind of the things that I did while they were gone, um, when I went to bed, I was scared out of my mind, as tough guy as I was. It's like it was the first time I was sleeping in my house all by myself. And so any noise, you know, like I was just paranoid and scared because I didn't have my parents with me. And all of those noises and whatever else would go on if my parents and family were in the house, it's like I didn't worry about it. Oh, what was that noise? Gunshot in the house. Well, my dad will take care of it. You know, I just didn't even worry. You know, just roll over and sleep. God's presence protects us. He will even lay down his life if need be. And you know, that's what Jesus did. You know, it occurs to me that the good shepherd leads us to the place that sheep really want to be in the end. In fact, the end of this psalm says that surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I don't know if these things jump off the page at you, but I'll have goodness and love and a sense of the presence of God. Are these not some of the best things in life. And they all come from the Good Shepherd. You know, the Good Shepherd is a perfect match for sheep. You know, a bunch of people who aren't so smart, dirty and stinky, stubborn at times, defenseless. We need a Good Shepherd who guides us, provides for us, corrects us, and protects us. It's a match made in heaven. The only thing that we really need to assure ourselves of 
is that we've placed ourselves in a place where the good shepherd can care for us. You know, maybe you're like in the, the best time of your life and, you know, you're not really facing any challenges. I would just stop and thank God for that, that his provision for you and that he's, he's brought you to this opportunity and this time, this season. And, and ask yourself, what good can I do? with this time of rest. And in some of you, man, you're, you're facing big, big challenges. Some of you are far from God. And no one else may know it. Wherever, you've, wherever you find yourself today, the good shepherd is there for us. And Jesus says to us who are sheep, I'm your good shepherd. Will you let him guide you? That's the question. Let's pray.
John 11, in one of the I am statements where Jesus said, I am the resurrection. And we learned that the resurrection isn't an event, it's a person. And I think that there's a reason why Jesus said it like that. He didn't say, I do resurrections, or I'm capable of doing resurrections, or I'm going to be resurrected. Instead, instead of focusing what Jesus can do, or uh, what he might provide for us, Jesus calls attention to who he is. And he says, I am the resurrection. That is, any transforming power, any any life change, any experience that takes something that was dead and brings it back to life, I am that. Jesus said that, not me. Um, And today, I want to look at another one of the statements that Jesus began with I am. I am the good shepherd. Jesus described himself as a good shepherd, which is really relatable to uh, the people of his day. They're very familiar with what a shepherd does. And um, so the context of their understanding, they're totally connecting to what he said. Now, Jesus didn't say, I am a shepherd. He said, I'm the good shepherd, which which means there might be some not-so-good shepherds. And in this passage in John, he he shows us a few. There's uh, the sissy shepherd. In verse 12, he says, this shepherd, when he sees the wolf coming... He abandons the sheep and runs away. That's a self-interested shepherd. And certainly in that time, you know, uh, people can probably thought of shepherds that had the job of protecting the sheep. And then soon as danger approaches, they showed their character. And they ran away from protecting the sheep that they were hired to protect. Then there's the sneaky shepherd. And that's in John 1, uh, John 10, 1. He says, I tell you the truth, a man who, who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. There's like a sneaky shepherd. He doesn't show up, you know, like, hey, I'm the shepherd. Instead, he kind of sneaks around and, and comes in without people seeing. He, he doesn't want to be seen. A shepherd that doesn't want to be seen, how could that be? It's because he really doesn't want to be a shepherd He just wants some of what the good shepherd has. In fact, Jesus uh, tells us a little more about him in John 10.10. He says that he wants to take, not give, the sneaky shepherd. The thief, calls him a thief, uh, comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. That this kind of shepherd is just there, again, for their own self-interest. And, of course, Jesus is talking about the evil one here. But Jesus juxtaposes his shepherding next to sneaky and sissy shepherds. And he says in John 10.10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. You know, the gospel, when you hear that word, it means good news. And it is good news that Jesus is the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep because that's what he did. And he says here, not only do I lay down my life for the sheep, but I've come to bring life to those sheep in a full way. Some people operate from a perspective that Christianity is kind of like a religion of scarcity. It's like, you know, becoming a Christian means you lose everything fun and 
Uh, maybe you came from that tradition. Uh, or maybe you're, you, you don't go to church at all and like, your perspective of Christianity is just all the things that, it's a list of don'ts. But Jesus is proposing here that the good shepherd has the best interests of the sheep at heart. And so whatever he's going to do for those sheep is going to bring about a life that is full and abundant. It's the way sheep were designed to live. So if Jesus is the good shepherd, what does that make us? It makes us sheep. You know, sheep are the most commonly mentioned animals in the Bible. Sheep are mentioned 196 times. Dogs, 41. Cats, zero. <laughs> except, except if you count the lion who seeks to destroy and devour Christians. So now we've made the connection between cats and Satan, right? And, uh, I'm sorry. Um, you know, it's kind of unfortunate that we're called sheep because it's not really a very flattering statement. You know, one time Jesus says that, you know, the sheep need to be careful because they can't even tell the difference between a sheep and a wolf dressed as a sheep. Which even if the wolf's costume was good, don't you think that sheep would know by his raspy cigarette voice, hey there, lammy. You know, uh, I don't know, maybe I watched too many cartoons as a kid, but it should be pretty easy to tell a sheep apart from a wolf, but we can't. So here's some things you might want to know about sheep that the Bible says we are. Okay, first of all, sheep, and this is in your notes, are not smart. Sheep are not smart. You know, uh, Isaiah talks about sheep all go astray, and they turn to their own way, and certainly we get lost in our decisions and our choices just a little bit at a time, and we just keep on wandering, right? Have you ever seen a trained sheep? No. Do you go to a circus, and do they have sheep tricks? No, they have dog tricks and horses doing things and monkeys and fleas even, but no sheep doing tricks. So as your pastor, I just want to look at you and say, you are so dumb. <laughs> and so am I, because I'm a sheep too. So sheep are dumb. You know, sheep are defenseless too. You know, every, every other animal almost, they, they have some way to defend themselves. It could be camouflage or fangs or they're swift or they're extra large or they have poison, but not sheep. They got nothing. The only thing sheep have is like being in a big crowd of them, which basically is, you know, better you than me philosophy, right? That's all sheep have, which might have some connection to what happens sometimes in the Christian community, right? Better you than me. Um, so they're defenseless, they're, they're not very smart, and they're stubborn. Sheep are stubborn. They get wedged in places and then they just keep on going, they get lost, uh, and they keep on going. So that, you know, you kind of bring dumb and stubborn together, and that's like a toxic combination. And some of you, you know, you're thinking right now about nudging that person next to you, because I just talked about being dumb and, dumb and stubborn, right? 
So why don't we just do that right now? Just look at your neighbor and look at the person next to you and say, you are so dumb and stubborn. Go ahead and say that right now. Okay, good. Because you are, if you're a sheep. And then lastly, you know, sheep are dirty and stinky. They're dirty and stinky. They're not clean, white, fluffy uh, creatures. In fact, I think sheep have a personal hygiene problem. Um, you know, they seem helpless to cleanse themselves. You know, dogs and cats will lick themselves, but a sheep has nothing. I mean, um, guys, they're kind of like your underwear in college. They're gray, normally. And, you know, I could never figure out why my underwear turned gray in college, and I come home and my mom could get them white. She had this thing called bleach which even after I found out about it, I couldn't afford it as a college student. So my clothes just got grayer and grayer during the semester. And, um, and they, they're stinky too, sheep. Have you ever been to a petting zoo? They stink, which I don't want you to make a connection to my college underwear <laughs> right now. But with all these problems that sheep have, dumb, stubborn, dirty and stinky. Um, they need a shepherd. Sheep need a good shepherd. And so it's really good news that sheep have a good shepherd. And as I said, this, this is such a relatable picture. And the imagery connects to Jesus' audience. I want to help us connect to that today because you may not know a shepherd, but every person that Jesus would have spoken to knew a shepherd. And even though it was a lowly job, um, it was always spoken of in, in the, when they wanted to bring, bring forward a metaphor or a picture of a person or God to demonstrate qualities like compassion and sacrifice and care. It was always the go-to analogy. So you find in, in the Bible a lot of uh, imagery of God being the shepherd. Here, Jesus is the good shepherd. Uh, people admired a shepherd that was sacrificial. They put a lot of trust in them, uh, their entire livelihood. And they appreciated leaders who were had the same qualities as a shepherd would have. Um, in Psalm 78, Asaph says that David shepherded the nation of Israel with integrity of heart and skillful hands. So it's like this beautiful picture that comes forward. And so that's all encased in what Jesus is saying when he says, I am the good shepherd. So what does a good shepherd do for not so bright dirty and stinky, stubborn and defenseless creatures. Well, there's a great passage of scripture that unpacks what a shepherd does. You might be familiar with it, and we're, we're going to drop into that, and I'm going to put the verses up, but it's kind of like the classic picture of what a shepherd does, Psalm 23. And Psalm 23 brings out at least four things that a good shepherd does for the sheep. And that's what we're going to cover today. First of all, the good shepherd guides. 
Can we say that together? Would you guys be on it? The good shepherd guides. Psalm 23, 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall, not, I shall not be in want. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. The shepherd guides. And you know, other passages in the Bible indicate that the sheep know the voice of that shepherd that is guiding them. In John 10, 3, when Jesus is talking about being the good shepherd, he says he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. The good shepherd is out in front, and he's calling to the sheep, and the sheep know his specific voice. And when we think about God guiding us through the good shepherd and knowing his voice, I mean, I mean, on one hand, you could, like, is it an audible thing, like, you know, I go to the park now with my grandkids, and, you know, every park ha usually has that little thing you talk into, and they're over there, and they think it's magic. You know, I go, you just stand right here, and Grampy's going to talk to you, and they're just looking around, and, of course, when they get a little older, they can figure it out. Sometimes it feels like God talks to us like that, but God's voice comes through to us in his word and through other people, and a lot of other ways. Uh, even in the Old Testament, God speaks through a donkey. So God's voice can be heard. And we can recognize his voice if we know the shepherd. But if, if we're not familiar with the shepherd, then his voice might be more difficult for us to hear. Maybe it's hard for you to hear the voice of God because you really haven't spent very much time with him. You know, in September this year, Cindy and I will be married 40 years. Don't applaud because um, that's all for her. But you know, living with her all this time, I know her voice. You could put me in the youth room with 100 other women, blindfold me, and just let women talk, and I would know her voice. In fact, I've talked here before that I know my wife's whistle. Uh, you know, my wife can whistle really good. You know, that, I can't do it. And one time I was surfing in Huntington Beach. There was a strong current, and I didn't pay attention to how far I drifted. So I didn't watch the, the uh, lifeguard stand numbers, and I got back out, and I started walking up the beach, just kind of looking. I had no idea how far I had drifted, but I knew it was far. And I kept looking, and all of a sudden I heard, and I snapped up like that. And everybody else started laughing around. It's like, that guy answers his wife's whistle. <laughs> so I know her whistle, and I know her voice because I know her. And, you know, for God to guide us, we need to know his voice. And you're going to need God's guidance. Sometime in the future, or maybe even right now, you're considering a move or a job change or retirement getting married, having kids, how to raise kids, how to get your kids out of the house, buy a car, join this church, leave that church. And we're saying, God, show me the way. Do we know his voice as he guides us? And, of course, if God is guiding us, what does that mean for us as the sheep? We, we need to follow his guidance. You know, I think that um, 
I'm really grateful for the times in my life that I've listened to God and his voice. Become a fireman. Stop being a fireman. Become a pastor. Marry that girl. Talk to that person. Like they, God's voice comes through and um, you will never regret listening to his voice. So, good shepherd guides. Secondly, the good shepherd provides. The good shepherd provides. Psalm 23, 1 again, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters, and he restores my soul. Just look at this verse, and at just the list of the way God, or the good shepherd, provides. I'm not going to be wanting. I'm not going to lack for the things that I need. He's going to allow me to lie down in green pastures. And this is, this is a beautiful picture because you rarely see a sheep lying down. They only lie down when they're well fed and they feel safe. He leads me beside still waters because... The shepherd needs to take the sheep to where the water is calm, not rushing, because the sheep knows that he could fall in. And he restores my soul, which says that the good shepherd not only cares for the physical needs, but what goes on inside of us. But for many of us, when we think about the good shepherd providing, we we get a little scared at least in, in some of the areas that are more challenging to us, and they, they can be different for us. But, you know, God can provide um, in that relationship that's challenging right now. We rely on the Good Shepherd to help us forgive. We rely on the Good Shepherd to provide for us financially or in making a moral decision, or in the use of our time, and we we get conflicted because we're afraid, well, if I do this, if I follow his guidance, then I won't be provided for. Something will be missing. And here we see that the good shepherd does provide. That's why I think Jesus knew, in fact, I know that he knew, that we would be apprehensive about some of those things and that's why in Matthew's gospel 633 he said to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you put me in the center allow me to guide you and I will provide for you and then again the verse that we looked at in John 10 10 I've come that they may have life and have it to the full like allowing the good shepherd to guide us is not going to put us in a place where our needs cannot be met. We have to trust that the good shepherd will provide. You know, it's important for the sheep to allow the good shepherd to provide in the manner in which he does, which means to follow his guidance and stay connected to the flock because that's how sheep are designed to be provided for. If if you've been looking for God's provision in your life far from him, far from his voice, 
or far from his church, the flock that you're supposed to be a part of, then it's going to be much more difficult for you to find the provision that God has for you because he has provided a way in which to do that. So if the good shepherd is going to provide for us, we have to follow his guidance and we have to put ourselves in a place where he can provide that. Number three, the good shepherd corrects. So he guides, he provides, and the good shepherd corrects. Can we say that one together? The good shepherd corrects. In Psalm 23, 4, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. <clears throat> you know, the staff that a shepherd carried, it had a crook on it, and it had a, a sharper end, and it wasn't just to fight off predators, although it, it, it was able to do something else, which, was, which is to keep the sheep in line. The shepherd could poke the sheep, the shepherd would take that hook and yank them back in to where they needed to be. And so if you're a sheep, the idea of the good shepherd correcting you, if you're a wandering sheep, it may not sound like good news, but actually it is. You know, they have, like if you think about your children, um, children want boundaries. And um, kids that have been, place in a situation where just everything goes and whatever you want to do is like that creates a lot of insecurity in a child maybe maybe you were raised that way and psychologists have shown that like that creates a lot of anxiety god has boundaries for us and so he will correct us yeah luke 15 says that the good shepherd will go out into the wilderness and find that one wandering sheep but he might burn that sheep's bottom a little bit while he does so, right? No one loves that part. No one loves being disciplined by God. But sometimes it's necessary and it's good for us. Uh, Hebrews 12, 11, writer of Hebrews says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Can we say amen to that? Yeah, nobody likes it. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those that have been trained by, by it. See, the good shepherd corrects us for our own protection and for our own benefit. And when, when we talk about being free in Christ, I think sometimes we think about that. It's like, well, it's just a free-for-all. I can just do whatever I want, and then God will always be there to bless me. And, you know, I think that if you're a Christian, you can pretty much count on, if you wander away, you're going to face discipline. And it, may, and it won't be pleasant, but it will be good for you. You see, a sheep can't just wander off and drink from a poison stream or go into the wilderness without being exposed to all the things that an isolated sheep would be exposed to. That's what happens. And when the good shepherd finally finds that sheep, he will, he will bring some kind of discipline. Maybe, maybe you're under that. Maybe you've made a bunch of bad choices or you, know, you found yourself so far from God and now things are all tangled up. You're right in the right place. I would bet some of you, just some of the things that God has brought into your life while you were far from him 
It's been part of bringing you back into the flock where you're designed to be. You know, again, as parents, we have a great opportunity to be a good shepherd to our children. And one of the best things that we can do for our kids is to give them boundaries and correct them when they're outside those boundaries. That's really healthy for our kids. And in so doing, we're doing it for their benefit. And so they will, they will respond more quickly in the future to correction. And they'll be more likely to stay on the right path if that discipline and correction is you know, applied as a good shepherd would apply it. So you're not doing your kids a favor by just being their friend. You also have to be their shepherd. And, one, and, and by the way, one of the best things your kids could ever learn from you is to watch you respond to God's correction in your life. But you can't expect them to respond to your leadership if you don't respond to the good shepherd's leadership. So the good shepherd guides and provides and corrects. And lastly, the good shepherd protects. The good shepherd protects. Verse 4 of Psalm 23, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. In this passage, you see that the shepherd has his weapons to protect us. His rod and his staff bring both comfort and protection. And when, when Psalm 23 says that he protects us, it doesn't mean that he protects us from ever facing tough times. In fact, this, this passage says exactly the opposite, that we go through the valley of the shadow of death. It can be expected. And even though you might be in the toughest, most challenging, most painful valley right now, the good shepherd is protecting you as you go through it. One of the things that we see here is that the good shepherd doesn't bail on us when the, these things happen. In fact, there's much comfort in Psalm 23, when it says, I'm going through that, but you are with me. Sometimes just God's presence can be a strong protection for us. Certainly we want God to, to make our paths straight, and we don't, we don't want to go through some of the things that life brings at us, or that someone in our life that's important to us, or that we're tied to, brings to our lives. But that doesn't mean that the shepherd has abandoned us. He is with us. In this passage, it says, even though we're in the middle of the, of the valley of the shadow of death, I can still sit down and eat. I, I can sit at a meal, and my cup will overflow. And there'll be his healing oil that is, in, in this time, it's, it's, it's a medicine, a balm 
to heal wounds and for us to recover from. And through all of that, we have God's presence. You know, um, I remember a time in my life where I didn't want to go on vacation with my parents anymore. Maybe some of you are experiencing that, teenagers or parents, and like, I'm like, yeah, I know you're going to the Florida Keys to go spearfishing for three days, but, and I love that, but I don't want to go with you. I want to stay home. And I remember when my parents finally let me stay home by myself for the first time. Bad idea for my parents. But besides kind of the things that I did while they were gone, um, when I went to bed, I was scared out of my mind, as tough guy as I was. It's like it was the first time I was sleeping in my house all by myself. And so any noise, you know, like I was just paranoid and scared because I didn't have my parents with me. And all of those noises and whatever else would go on, if my parents and family were in the house, it's like I didn't worry about it. Oh, what was that noise? Gunshot in the house. Well, my dad will take care of it. You know, I just didn't even worry. You know, just roll over and sleep. God's presence protects us. He will even lay down his life if need be. And you know, that's what Jesus did. You know, it occurs to me that the good shepherd leads us to the place that sheep really want to be in the end. In fact, at the end of this psalm says that surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I don't know if these things jump off the page at you, but I'll have goodness and love and a sense of the presence of God. Are these not some of the best things in life. And they all come from the Good Shepherd. You know, the Good Shepherd is a perfect match for sheep. You know, a bunch of people who aren't so smart, dirty and stinky, stubborn at times, defenseless. We need a Good Shepherd who guides us, provides for us, corrects us, and protects us. It's a match made in heaven. The only thing that we really need to assure ourselves of is that we've placed ourselves in a place where the Good Shepherd can care for us. You know, maybe you're like in the, the best time of your life and, you know, you're not really facing any challenges, I would just stop and thank God for that, that his provision for you and that he's, he's brought you to this opportunity and this time, this season, and, and ask yourself, what good can I do with this time of rest? And then some of you, man, you're, you're facing big, big challenges. Some of you are far from God and no one else may know it. 
wherever you, wherever you find yourself today, the good shepherd is there for us. And Jesus says to us who are sheep, I'm your good shepherd. Will you let him guide you? That's the question. Let's pray. God, thank you uh, for um, preserving passages like this that we see in John's gospel and for reminding us of what many of us already know, that you, you are our good shepherd. And in spite of any challenge that is in our life today, a question, an apprehension, that you're there. Would you show us the places that we could draw closer to you? Would you connect us with your flock if we've grown far from the church? And give us the courage and the, the wisdom to allow you to guide us even through things that we don't completely understand today. And we'll thank you for that. It's our good shepherd. Amen. Thank you. Uh, and now we're going to sing. So uh, I'd ask you guys to just stand. And uh, we'll sing that song we learned earlier today. And I think it'll mean more to you now. Spirit said, we thought it'd be fitting this morning after hearing about the Good Shepherd to reprise a little bit of that song that we sang prior to the message called Reckless. And when we think about why God's love for us would be termed reckless,